1: had a third party, they actually hired a former federal prosecutor, Reed Shar, to investigate themselves uh, because there were accusations of sexual assault dating back to 2010 of a former Blackhawks video coach named Brad Aldrich. Uh, there was an eight page lawsuit where Aldrich was accused of sexual assault not only against Blackhawks players but he's also been named in a second lawsuit from when he was not with the Blackhawks, but from a student at Michigan. Jesus. Um, To give you some of the details here, uh, Aldridge, when he was a video coach of the Blackhawks, turned on porn and began to masturbate in front of a player without his consent. Uh, Aldridge also threatened to physically, financially, and emotionally hurt the player if he did not engage in sexual activity with him. So this investigation, though, was more about who knew what and when, and when they, they knew, it. knew it. right? Because when all of this came out this past summer, the Blackhawks front office, everybody involved with Blackhawks pretty much categorically denied that they knew no anything, anything about, about it. this. This investigation basically found out everybody was lying. Uh, at the time, Joel Quinville was the head coach. He was made aware of it. He was apparently at one point like made aware of it. And he said, we don't have time to deal with this. we got hockey games to play uh the general manager steve bowman he was made aware of it uh in 2010 he resigned yesterday or stepped down whatever the hell i don't know if they fired him or if he resigned but he gave a statement yesterday basically throwing everybody else under the bus saying well i passed it on to my superior and he said he would handle it and he didn't okay dude you were
2: the general manager also he was also taken off yesterday or again resigned because he was running USA Hockey for... uh Yes, he stepped down the, from the his Olympics.
1: position with USA Hockey as well. Uh So there's a lawsuit. It's an unnamed player that played for the Blackhawks who's seeking $150,000. Um, the NHL also fined the Blackhawks $2 million. Uh But it is, I mean... It is, I guess, uh, clarity. Like the Blackhawks investigation has been going on for a few months now, and everybody's sort of been like, "What the hell's happening here?" Right. Like, of like, this is this has been a massive accusation, and there were no
2: answers, and now there seem to be some answers, even though you know people like Stan Bowe. 2010, are still they knew this. Yep. 2010, and just now in 2021, this guy's stepping down.
3: Yep. That, that is amazing. The- amazing, it went that long. The saddest response I saw on Twitter is, "Well, can we wait until uh, can we wait until he gets in? Inve- like until there's a like something happens in court? Can like you know he hasn't been found guilty, and it's like a former federal investigator? Yeah, former yeah. federal
2: prosecutor investigated this yeah. and found this the, to be true. The Blackhawks
1: basically hired a third party to come in and say, hey, tell us what happened. Do right. you need to, you need somebody uh, not a part of this organization needs to investigate this organization.'" Right. And tell us what the hell happened and who knew what and when they knew it. Because that was part of the lawsuits was like, hey, not only was I sexually assaulted, everybody that was
2: important at the Blackhawks organization knew about it and didn't do anything. Weird of me to think the player is seeking $150,000. He should be be seeking more. He probably should. I mean, I I literally saw that number and I'm like, I think you should be seeking more. Probably.
1: I mean, hell, the NHL fined the Blackhawks $2 $2 million. million So...
2: Yeah,
1: probably should we talk to Sam and Ash later? Yes, we should "Uh, ask Sam and Ash. Yeah, that sounds low.
0: Press box transition.
1: Here's some news this morning. Khalil Mack is not expected to play this week. Foot injury. The Bears are hosting the 49ers. Raiders won the trade.
2: (laughs) Okay. Khalil Mack can't play. That means the Raiders won the trade. Well, Max Crosby is playing very well. Getting pressure on the quarterback. Probably the best rusher guy uh, in, the, in the league. What if they had both? Oof. Well, they, they could have had both, but yeah. they wouldn't have the AFC Player of the Week then.
1: I think Khalil Mack could win an AFC Player of the Week. <laughs> I think it's possible. <laughs> they might be able to do that every now and then. It's a possible. He's good. You should say
2: that. Unique uh, Ngakwe is the AFC. He play, did one, win one, AFC the, Player AFC of the defensive Week. Defensive Player of the Week. Yeah, two pass I'd, breakups. Two gotta sacks. be honest with you. I didn't. And J- I had Jamar Chase. So I should. I know he had a great game, but I was expecting. Derek Carr completed 92% of his
3: passes. Yeah, we're over good. quarterbacks.
2: Uh, we're man. over quarterbacks. I thought he was... He
1: did it against the Eagles. It. There's, a, there's a tax for playing the Eagles. Your stats get downgraded when they play the <laughs> Eagles. They play the Eagles? Yeah, they're
3: like, oh, it was the Eagles. They really only completed 70% of his passes. Yeah, when the other team's corners are literally going, whoa, that guy threw it really high.
1: <laughs> I don't care about your next question. The Panthers will not trade for Deshaun Watson. According to Ian Rappaport owner david tepper and the panthers are not expected to pursue deshaun watson at this time the quarterback is only waived as no trade clause for the dolphins so panthers have been reported as like the second team that could potentially trade for deshaun watson before next week's trade deadline this kind of narrows it down to only the miami dolphins does it happen you think he actually gets moved before the deadline
2: it always comes back to the same narrative here is will the Dolphins trade for him if they don't think he can play until next year? I don't, you know, again, it, you 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 spelled it out yesterday with the first-round picks. Would they be conditional if he couldn't play till next year? I just want to know if he's going on the list because if there's a chance of the uh, reports yesterday that he wouldn't go on the list, and I would trade for him. But if I think he's going on the list, then I might not get him till next year and I might not get him at all depending yeah. on how these criminal cases come out, then I don't know if I would
3: trade for him.
1: Yeah, if I was the Dolphins, I don't think I'd trade for him anyway. Like, you're 1-5 right now trading for him. Even if he plays this year, okay, congratulations. You finished 6-11 and 11 right. instead or something like that. And, yeah, and then you've got to deal with the entire offseason of his Deshaun Watson yeah. going Is he even to jail. play again? Yeah. So, I, if I was the Dolphins, I don't think I'd trade for him. I think Tua's been better, still not good, but better this year. I'd just ride with Tua the rest of the season and then make a decision on where to go with quarterbacks after
2: The QB has only waived his no trade for the
3: Dolphins. (laughs) He obviously knows this is probably my one chance
2: because no one else wants me.
3: Do you want to hear what Roger Goodell had to say about the commissioner's exempt list and Deshaun Watson? All right. Yeah
1: that process is still ongoing and until that process is ongoing and we have enough data and enough information to be able to make a determination of whether he should go on commissioner exam, uh we don't feel that we have that it's necessary information at
3: this point so nothing that's He's the said, whole
1: point of the commissioner's list exactly is, hey we don't have enough information so we're not going to suspend the guy because when you have enough information you suspend him right the commissioner's list is because,
3: hey, we don't know exactly what happened here, but it's, it looks bad. That's because Adrian Peterson may have beat his yes. child with a switch until he broke, like, his gentleman's area. So we're not going to suspend you or take money from you because that's a players'
1: union situation until you're found guilty or something. We're going to put you on this list where you still get paid. What?
2: But you're not playing games. Why haven't they hired Reed Shar, uh, the former <laughs> federal prosecutor? Because by now, if you don't know enough because about this situation. The Blackhawks wanted to know the answers. Yes, I don't think the NFL wants, wants to, to know, know the answers. If all those uh, women are lying about the massages.
3: Does anyone else think that it that, like it would be ironic if the Panthers traded had traded for him? Considering the reason David Tepper has his team is because the former owner would go around and ask. Female oh. employees, can yeah. I massage your feet?
2: Yeah, that's a. I, I totally forgot about Big Jerry. That is probably organization that stays away from this.
3: <laughs> like, I just
2: remember <laughs> that guy.
3: Next question.
1: The Raiders released Willie sneed according to his agent Drew Rosenhaus. He asked for his release. He had three catches this year for 32 yards. His most notable play, though, was the drop he had in overtime. That led to a Derek Carr interception in the end zone. Raiders still won that game against the Ravens in week one. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I I think this is it's good news for the Raiders. Not necessarily that you're losing Willie Sneed, but it's good news because Willie Sneed was effectively signed and John Brown is no longer here. They were effectively signed as, hey, these are veteran guys. And if Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards aren't any good again then John Brown and right. Willie Sneed can be the wide right. receivers on this offense. They're both gone because Ruggs and Edwards have been much better this season. So not that you really want to lose Willie Sneed because, you know, if there's an injury, all of a sudden you're lacking wide receiver depth. But I am it's a good sign because Ruggs and Edwards have been good. They've been competent, above average NFL wide receivers in a good passing game. Yeah, and
2: I think Rosenhaus is right. I think there's. I'll be shocked if he's not at least signed to his practice squad. Someone will sign Willie Snead. Oh well, if you're Willie Snead.
1: I think you're at.
2: He was. On, he was not on the.
1: He was on the active roster. Right. So, so I assume you ask for your release because you assume another team will actually we'll give you sign the, the active you, active roster, and play you. Because again, part of why he wanted his release because he's not playing. He's right. behind Which Ruggs and Edwards and and yeah. So it's like hey, okay, you're not playing, and Zay Jones is ahead of him too. So I assume like. I assume Drew Rosenhaus
2: Under, talked to another team, right?
1: And somebody said, "Oh yeah, we, we'll take him. Willie Sneed can be our number three or number four right. receiver. We'll get him on the field, every, you know, more than he is in Vegas, right. and that's why he's gone now. Otherwise, if he signs to a practice squad, that's just
3: a terrible job right. by Drew Rosenhaus. They got to bring back Seth Roberts. How old is Seth Roberts? He was 27 in 2018,
1: so uh, <laughs> 31. 31." 30, so is this like uh, when Aaron Rodgers demanded
3: Randall Cobb come back? I, no, I think you just need Seth Roberts. Seth Roberts is a writer. That's what it is. Okay.
2: Oh, uh, you know, I can't tell you that.
1: By the way, Randall Cobb, probably going to be the Packers' leading wide receiver. I was going to say. <laughs> <gonna So laughs> say. So the I Packers.
2: Of, he's not bad.
1: <laughs> Packers placed Alan Lazard on the COVID list. He and Devontae Adams are now both on the COVID list. That is Two wide receivers. They play Thursday night. They don't play Sunday. They play the Thursday night game against Arizona. Randall Cobb, probably going to be the number one wide receiver or top target for Aaron Rodgers on Thursday night. Now with both these guys out. Is Marquez Valdez Scantling still on that team? I think that guy's probably the number two now. Maybe Robert Tanyan becomes a functional tight end.
3: Could
2: Jordy Nelson play right now?
3: No. He couldn't play the
2: last time we saw him. He's always in great shape. That but game. just come back for one game, Jared. Yeah, he doesn't have to get ready no, for yeah, a whole season. he doesn't have season. to do anything. He just has He's to. He's
3: just got to be ready game. for one game. Do you remember him with just the Raiders? One he game, looked like Jared. he was running
1: in hummus. Yeah, just one game is all you need from Jordy Nelson. What about uh
3: Hoodie, James Jones? Ooh, I actually like that. Why are
1: there so many Raiders
3: Packers former <laughs> wide receivers? What is happening here? John didn't like all of them.
1: Yeah. Next thing you're going to tell me is like Seth Roberts played for the Packers too. I'm on it. And they're going to get Devontae
3: Adams next. It's going to be all Raiders.
2: They and are Packers. going to get Devontae Adams. We know that's happening.
3: Now, remember, the Raiders wanted to trade for uh they wanted to trade Randy Moss for Aaron Rodgers.
1: Wow, sorry. Um I got you. Thank you. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> the Mavericks played all 15 players last night in a win over the Rockets. Jason Kidd said that playing all 15 players was at the request of the three-player leadership council. Are they the the coach? They got Luka Doncic, Chris Porzingis, and I'm blanking on who the third one is off the top of my head. That's their three-man leadership council. If you're a coach and basically your three de facto captains of the team come to you and say, hey, we would like to do this, you listen to them,
3: right?
2: I mean... I'm reading here on, on uh, Twitter, it says in 2011 when Kidd was part of this leadership council with uh, Sean Marion and Dirk Nowitzki, they went to uh, Carlisle before a playoff game and told him Deshaun Stevenson was starting at shooting guard uh, uh, over uh, over Roddy uh, Boubeau, and he said, okay. <laughs> so maybe this leadership council in Dallas has a lot of power no matter who's on it. Leadership council.
1: I mean, <laughs> there's a three, it's elected position with the Mavericks. Yeah, exactly. It's, I mean... I th- they th- won. I think it, I mean they played the Rockets. I think it's good <laughs> coaching. Like I think it's fine. Like yeah, okay. That you guys want to do something. I I am curious though, why? Like why did the players want all fifteen active guys to play? That's like that seems like a very strange thing. Like if you go to a coach and say, hey, we think this guy's a better shooting guard or he or isn't a better center. time. Right. Like if you've got like one guy, but right. if, for you to just be like, hey, we want everyone to play. Like what is it like class? Team Morale? Pizza Party Day or something Team like that? No
3: more I, victories. I don't know. It's just, it no just more seems victories. like a strange request. We've been putting in the work, Coach. <laughs> yeah. We really think that that 19-year-old over there who can't make a layup, <laughs> he really should get some game action. All right, coming up next. Oh, it
1: looks like the A's to Las Vegas Dream is finally dead. The first batter hits it out of the ballpark. And so, you know, it was, it was kind of a negative from the very beginning. Ball didn't
0: bounce our way uh, tonight. We're back to the press box morning show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. Oh, Dusty Baker. Can't even blame him for anything last night.
1: No, didn't, didn't even go after your guy. No, he didn't even burn through our two best relievers. Good job, Dusty. Impressed. Bullpen's been good for the Astros, by the way. Best part of the team in the postseason was the worst part in the regular season. <laughs> Keep blowing games with the bullpen's doing well. Um, so I don't think we're getting the Oakland days. I don't
2: think they're coming to Vegas anymore. Didn't really think I that for think, a little while, but I don't think this show was ever a proponent that they were getting I don't the Oakland. Think we A's. were either
1: um, the Alameda County Board but we of had Supervisors high high hopes. <laughs> uh, voted yesterday, non-binding vote, but they voted four to one in favor of uh, their intent to join a tax district with the city of Oakland. And that tax district is to give the A's money so that they will build their $12 billion ballpark plus all the other stuff they want to put there at their Howard Terminal site. Now, the A's already have essentially an offer from the city of Oakland for $495 million. Uh, They haven't 100% agreed to the terms of that because whatever the a's don't want to build affordable housing but i think they agreed to do some of that so they haven't officially agreed to it but they've effectively got 495 million from the city they want 350 million more and they were turning to the county for that and yesterday's vote was a pretty good sign that the county is going to give them something it might not end up being the 350 million dollars or it might be the 350 but the a's got to give them something back in return they didn't want to give up but a four to one vote in favor sounds pretty strong. That the A's are going to get close to everything they want out of Oakland and Alameda County, and they're going to stay in Oakland and get to build their new ballpark.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we said it all along. I don't care if he made six, seven, eight, nine, ten trips here, Covel and, and Fisher. At the end of the day, if they got the money they wanted from Oakland, why in the world would they come here? Yeah. What What would be the point of that if they got to build that down at the terminal and what they the twelve billion dollar? We I just saw another rendering of it. Why in the world would they be coming here? Because here's the thing, and we joke all the time about Henderson. I think, I'll tell you one thing. I think they did enough investigation and research here. I mean, they should have. They came here like 10 times to understand what level of public money would be available. And if it was what it should have been, which is no thank you um then you had to go back and negotiate with Alameda and you had to go back and negotiate with the county and I, I'm thinking Kovel walked out of this I think it was on I think it was on Zoom yesterday because I Mick Akers it's shown the screenshot so just like the city one we sat through for 46 hours it was on Zoom Kovel probably walked out of there with a huge smile on his face Yeah
1: I so what the A's have done a good job from a business standpoint of is never being satisfied cuz even when the city of Oakland Agreed, hey, here we're voting on this proposal to give you $495 million. Dave Cobble was like, well, that's not the right proposal. He was like, right. you're giving us $495 million, right. but that's not what we wanted because they want whatever, the affordable housing and everything else included in that. But they still got $495 million. Yeah. And even though Cobble came out and was like, well, that's not what we wanted. It's still what they wanted. And the other stuff they can figure out a way to work around. The big thing is are they going to give them four hundred and ninety-five million dollars? And is the
2: county now gonna chip in the rest? Yes.
1: And it's you know, three fifty is what they initially were asking for. I assume they'll end up getting that, but we'll find out here. But yeah, I I think the A's did a very good job of effectively playing Oakland and Alameda. I think they did an excellent job of using us as leverage mm-hmm. to to get the money out of Oakland and Alameda. Whether or not they were actually serious about moving here. We might never know the actual answer to that question because they came here a lot. They looked at sites. They talked to people. I don't think they were ever moving here. Now, maybe if they got zero dollars from anybody in the Bay Area, then they might have seriously considered it. But coming here, they should
2: have gotten zero (laughs) dollars of public money.
1: But I think they did an excellent job of using
3: us as as leverage. leverage. And
2: that's the very the very first report that came out on this. We both said on this show, this is leverage. They're, they're gonna come here and they're gonna threaten to leave just like the Raiders threatened to leave and ultimately did because oh by the way we gave them 750 million dollars <laughs> so that kind of helped the move from Oakland to, to Las Vegas um but we boasted this is a leverage play to threaten Oakland and Alameda County you're going to lose all your teams because the Warriors also moved uh don't lose this one and now we see what's happening with the county I've got to be honest with you I maybe I should maybe I shouldn't be I was surprised the county went for it. I am too. I was a, I was a little shocked when I saw that vote. I'm like 4 to 1, they're going to do this. Yeah. So, they're not going back on it now. Because if you're okay. If you're if you're
1: the Oakland A's, you do not want to leave the Bay Area because major league baseball, more than the NFL, major league baseball is more of a regionalized mm-hmm. sport and the bigger the market you're in, the better it is. For your team, like you can do the Tom (laughs) Hot Shop. That is why. So, like all, all the teams have their own regional television deals, and I don't know the exact numbers, but the Dodgers have the most from their regional television uh, deal. It's like two hundred million dollars. I think it's Tampa, is the lowest at like fifty million or something like that. And if you're the A's, you're gonna get more money. From the Bay Area than you are being in Vegas. It's just a it's a bigger media market. It's just it's numbers, si- significantly percentage, yes. bigger. So from a, just a pure like business standpoint, it's smarter to be in the Bay Area. Now, if we in Vegas were offering them nine hundred million dollars in public money, and Oakland and Alameda were offering them zero, then they'd be coming to they'd Vegas. They to Las Vegas. Vegas. But if it had been zero zero, I still think they're yeah. staying. So that's why I think, like Oakland and Alameda got played here because unless they knew Vegas was going to offer them something, I don't think I don't think the
2: A's leave. I don't think they're going well, and I don't else. think they did very good research because I can't believe any research at all wouldn't show you. That the, and the legislature said it as well, there yeah. was no temperature for giving more public yeah. money for a sports you
1: guys, You guys, the RJ had the story of there was a few no guys tem- quoted from the, yeah, from the legislature
2: saying, no chance, yeah, not giving any more
1: public money. Yeah, we don't want to do that. No, no. appetite, I think, was the yeah, phrase. Yeah, no appetite. No exactly. appetite to give the A's money. And like, yeah, whatever. Maybe Henderson would have been like, yeah, we'll go in debt for the rest of eternity and give you a ballpark, but... It just, it never seemed logical that anybody would give them a significant amount. I'm sure, like, whatever. Henderson might have been like, yeah, we got 150 million to give you, but that's not that significant, especially when you've already got basically 500 million.
2: And you want 350 more.
1: Right. So I think Oakland and Alameda got played. I think the A's did a pretty good job of playing them and using us as the leverage here. So. I assume they're gonna stay. Uh is there is there anything you look at right now that would that would keep them from not stay? after a four
2: to one vote. Yeah. Four th- to one vote tells me they're giving them money. Yeah. And I non binding. I, I think even
1: even if the county side fell apart right now, like even if we get three years into the three years or three months down the road and the county side just falls apart and they said we're out, they're still getting the almost five hundred million from the city. Right. So I, I think even if the county fell apart right now. They're still staying in Oakland. I don't think they're leaving behind five hundred million dollars. So, I will say this: the only way that the A's don't stay in Oakland is if another city, us or whoever, suddenly comes up with a "Hey, we've got a billion dollars to give right. you." Like if some other city comes up and says, "We've got more money you than get what you're staying. getting there." Sure. Then that—that's the only way. Yeah. But if—if if, whatever, if Henderson tomorrow is like, "Well, we got a two hundred million dollar offer on the table," they're not coming. Weed tax. Aren't we already using that for something?
3: No, we aren't. Like we, oh, we were, we're spo- we were supposed to, but no, we oh. aren't.
1: It was bookmarked for something, but they're not using it for work. Correct.
3: Okay. So we got all this, we got all this weed money. We, we can buy a baseball team.
1: Money. We're gonna buy the baseball team straight up. Yeah.
3: <laughs> okay. we'll, we'll get you season
2: tickets. <laughs> we'll get you season tickets.
1: He does love Vegas. <laughs> yes, he does, obviously.
2: Coming up next,
1: Jason Fitz joins the show.
0: Are stats hogwash? Are you tired of hearing Tyler do math on the radio? Tweet at Bischoff underscore Tyler and at Ed Grainy.
4: Yeah, so I just wanted to say um, I got two things. So Henry Ruggs is my choice, but I got the best nickname for him, and I just want to put it on the air. Magic Carpet. I think that's just the coolest name for Henry Ruggs. Just because he's on a magic carpet ride, and like he's just out there floating, yeah. on, 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 floating in air? So, yeah but so is not, going
3: on on magic carpet bro
4: i would magic skydive like if there was some magic portion of it that was a lot like that i knew wouldn't let me die like i'm gonna believe that the you know the funny thing is i'm just gonna peek behind the curtain for everybody for a second as we were coming back from break damon said got one segment left in the show let's go out strong damon i'm not sure this is what you had in mind i don't know the magic carpet breakdown is really
3: what's getting us there i, I thoughts on this one
0: The man does not like pie or syrup on his pancakes. No clue why we're talking to him, but it is time for our weekly visit with ESPN's Jason Fitz.
1: Uh, Jason, I'm a little concerned. Do you not get why Magic Carpet would be a great nickname for Henry Ruggs?
4: I I mean, okay, so I didn't really get the carpet rug portion of it. That took me Uh. me time. I didn't get it until we were off air and somebody said rug, carpet. It never... The two never collided in my world. It didn't make a lot of sense to me. Like magic rug. I would have gone to magic carpet, but I, did, I didn't <laughs> get that.
1: Cause I think it's a great nickname and you just totally whiffed on it. You had no clue what he was referencing.
4: Yeah. None. I mean, it, it, it was out of the blue for me. I was trying to find something around speed with it, but then I was equally uh, sort of di- distraught by my buddy, Eddie Pascal uh, telling the world that he wouldn't get on a magic carpet. If it showed up unless it had seatbelts. And I'm like, it's a magic carpet. Like, a magic carpet doesn't need seatbelts. It's going to snuggle you while you're in the air. And you get the one time you'll ever have in your life where you can look at the person next to you and go, I can show you the world, and they'll sing <laughs> back to you. Like, this is a lifetime opportunity. I'm on a magic carpet ride.
2: Well, at least DeMond didn't want to do talk about UNLV football. That's usually how he ends the last <laughs> segment, with wanting to talk about UNLV football. Who's the best team in the AFC?
4: Uh, say, uh, the, say, say it. Say it. Say it. it.
2: The
1: Titans are the best. No, no dudes. Dudes. Get, out nah. Get out of here. Get out of here. Who are well,
4: you? Do you think I was going to go Raiders? Did yeah, you come on. They're 5-2. I mean, I mean, look, the, at the end of the day, you tell me this. How is anybody going to handle tackling? Uh, I mean, Derrick Henry right now is playing like the MVP. So, and, and they've beaten the Chiefs and the Bills in back-to-back weeks. That's pretty substantial. Their defense, the Titans and the Raiders, Chiefs. if you go back and look oh, almost year by year, the amount of times that the Titans and Raiders have been sort of mirror images of each other as as franchises, when one's good, it feels like they're both good. Right now, I think they're both good. But last year, both of their defenses were historically bad. This year, both of their defenses are playing well. And then you got Derrick Henry doing things we've never seen a running back do. I mean, we're watching a Hall of Fame running back in front of our eyes. I don't think we're giving him enough love. So I think the Titans are the best team in the AFC. I've just got to figure out how to negotiate the fact that they lost to the Jets and got handily outplayed. But then again... How the hell did the Bears beat the Bengals and the Raiders? Like, two of the best teams in the NFC got beat by a bad NFC team.
1: What, what, what are we doing here? What, you've been living in Nashville too long or something? The Titans. <laughs> what? What is wrong with you? I'm,
4: I, what what I'm do you think we bring you now. on like, for? I, you know, The, the <laughs> funny thing is, if you think Raiders fans, and let's just be real for a second. I've been one of them. If you think Raiders fans are yelling about the lack of national respect Man, the Titans fans are saying, "Hold my beer," and they're getting louder and louder. Which is only funny <laughs> to me because Titans fans only exist when the team is good. And then when they come out of the woodwork, they come out loudly with, "Why don't you ever respect us?" To which I want to say, "Why aren't you ever in your own stadium?" But you know, it just they don't want to hear that portion of it. Hey. So no, I've got I got no love for the Titans uh, as a franchise. But uh, yeah, I, I think right now, I mean. Uh, they've got a better running back than we do. Uh, They've got, we've got a better quarterback than they do. I think our weapons are kind of on par and our defenses are on par. So the question is which defense can stop, which offense I think it's a tough one.
1: I think you better be careful throwing around. Hey, why aren't you in your own stadium given the way Allegiant stadiums looked the last two games?
4: Oh, no, no doubt about it. And I I think that's going to be a real, you know, guys, I'll I'll peek back to the little podcast. It could like when I started my life as a podcast, it got me eventually to ESPN. I did a whole series one season on why I thought Vegas should replace London as the international spot. Like, instead of doing an international game, do four games a year in Vegas because it would be the destination. Everybody will want to go there. I think that's real. I think that's going to be an issue that the the Vegas Raiders face constantly, just like Tennessee faces, because if you're a Buffalo fan and you're looking at the schedule and you're like, well, honey, we can go to Minnesota this year, we can go to Nashville. You're picking Nashville. Or if we can go, hey, guys, we can go to – New York, or we can go to Kansas City, or we can go to Vegas. Vegas wins a lot of those matchups, right? So as as a destination town, I think that's going to be an issue for the Raiders constantly. The difference is we knew that coming in for a new franchise. Like, the Titans stadium was was relatively empty even before Nashville was a destination town. And I worked for a Nashville radio station, and I'm not exaggerating when I say at certain times of the year, they are the number three story on local radio behind Tennessee football, the the Vols, which are three (laughs) hours away, by the way and The Preds, when they were on their Stanley Cup run, which is a hockey team, so it's crazy to think that in the South the Titans were the number three story, but that's true when they're not good. But
2: and and there was, you know, I told Tyler I thought it was 60 40 Raiders against the green jerseys this past week, and maybe the Bears had a little more than the Eagles, but you're also secondary market getting tickets for 38 bucks a half hour a half hour away. Is that concerning to you?
4: Yes, I think it is, and you know, I'll be honest, I think this is part of what. Uh, I I have flat out told the Raiders, my personal experiences. I watched the Preds uh, really come into Nashville and decide how to win Nashville. And I watched the Titans because I lived in Nashville when both teams came. Uh, I I watched the Titans come to Nashville and not do any of those things. And when the Titans started playing poorly, that's a big part of why the Titans basically became irrelevant in the culture. Now, the the Preds last night snapped 192-game sellout streak, but they still had 192-game sellout streak. In Nashville, and they did that by becoming involved in the community, by supporting youth hockey, by building youth hockey rinks, by sponsoring teams, by being out everywhere that you could possibly go. And it took a generation to raise fans. And one thing we have to remember is that to raise real Raiders fans in Vegas, you're going to need a generation where the Raiders, as an organization, are so ingrained in the elementary schools, in the middle schools, in the high schools. the kids go home and they want to talk about it, and that they want their their parents to take them to a game, like. You don't just wake up one day with a bunch of Raiders fans in that city. It's going to take time to grow them into fans in that city. So I think, is it concerning? Yes. And I think a lot of people bought tickets and I thought about buying tickets simply for the economic opportunity of buying tickets. But realistically, does that change in the next five to 10 years? Only if the Raiders invest today in the community in being everywhere that the community goes and investing in building the city of Las Vegas the way the city of Las Vegas is invested in building that stadium.
1: Are they better the last two weeks because there's not a crazy man yelling on the sideline anymore?
4: They're not better because of that, but they're better in part because John Gruden's not calling the plays, And that doesn't mean, let me say it loudly. That doesn't mean Gruden was holding them back. It just means Gruden had this huge playbook. And, you know, I talked to Vilma, Jonathan Vilma was on the call on TV and he used to work for ESPN and we're, we're good buddies. So I text him after the game to tell him he did a great job. And we were talking about the difference in the offense and, He mentioned it in the broadcast, and I don't think we put enough weight into it. One of the first things Olson did was came in and basically said, all right, we're going to get rid of all of these formations, all of these plays. We're going to simplify what we have. We're going to spend less time focusing on what we might do and more time focusing on what we actually will do, and we'll do it with our stars on the field. And if you watch the team over the last couple of weeks, there have been less times that you're looking in and saying, how many tight ends are on the field? Like, this tight end, tight end, two running back, what are we doing here? Like, it has been simpler to see what they're doing, but they're executing it better. And I think that that is the difference. It doesn't mean that Gruden was necessarily holding them back. It just means Gruden had more at his disposal that he felt comfortable with. Olsen is a different style. And as a result, I think what we should be talking about is not the negative of Gruden, but the positive of Olsen coming in and knowing this team and the players well enough to know what to call for.
2: I think I know your answer, but what does Rich Versace need to do to keep the job?
4: Um, make the playoffs. I think he's put himself in a great situation. Let me say loudly, though, this is a team that, according to many people around the NFL, gently skirted the Rooney rule when they hired John Gruden. There was a lot of controversy around what happened. For an organization that has unprecedented history with diversity, I believe that the Raiders can stand up once and say, hey, we've done everything the right way. I don't know you can do that twice. So I I do want everybody to understand that if Rich Passaccio wins every single game for the rest of the year, including and not limited by the Super Bowl, the Raiders will still have to to interview a minority candidate. That is real. So there will still be an interview process no matter what happens. I think if he goes to the playoffs, though, I think that's a huge, huge statement. And I think what's happening right now is the assistant coaches are telling you how dang good they are, too. Like, I think the Raiders' best situation here is that the team wins so definitively that there's no question to keep everybody together. Where it gets problematic – is you hit this four game spread that we've got coming up where there's a bunch of tough opponents, all of a sudden the Raiders look a little different. Maybe they finish the year, you know, with nine nine wins, ten wins, just good enough for everybody to question whether or not to keep this staff together. That's when things get problematic. But if Bashi goes out and dominates and they they clearly make the playoffs, then I think he has a real opportunity to be the head coach.
1: Wait, let me give you an optimistic problem. They make the playoffs. They win the AFC West. But Gus Bradley and Greg Olson get hired away to different jobs. Are you keeping Rich Passaccia around even though the assistants are gone?
4: No. I I think one of the biggest things about uh, any coach is the entirety of the staff. So I don't know who Passaccia would bring in as the offensive and defensive coordinators. And let's also be real. Gruden got the first defensive coordinator hire wrong, obviously. So it gets tricky there. If I'm Mark Davis, if if those things happen, the first thing I'm doing is going to Olson and Gus Bradley and saying, hey, you don't have to go anywhere else because wherever you think you might go, I'll pay more like that. That money keeps people. So unless those two guys are suddenly finding themselves in head coaching opportunity conversations, which I don't think would happen for either of them after one year uh, like this. I think that, you know, if you're Mark Davis, you open up the checkbook and you, uh, you tap into some of that big WNBA money and you write another check.
2: All right. I got to ask you this, um, oh, banned sorry. question. Adam Levine, Maroon five, some nut job runs up on stage and grabs his arm. Uh, some woman, he, scorns at her, says a few things, and uh, he gets uh, just lambasted by his fans saying, how could you do that to her? Hey, I'm all for doing anything to some any nut job in 2021. You have no idea what they're doing. You have no idea if there's a weapon involved. I mean, people are crazy. When you were with the band, Perry, did anyone run up on stage when you didn't want them to, and then what happened?
4: Yeah, uh, and we, got, we had security on the side of the stage uh, to get anybody. We also had two people, one person that stood on each side of the stage just to watch in case anybody looked suspect, uh, especially... You know, I'm the first to admit that uh, I had friends that were on stage during the Vegas shooting, and we had played that festival the year before, I think it was. So, uh, you know, uh, I so many people in country music have been impacted by it, and the one thing that people don't think about is that just because a fan comes up on stage doesn't mean that they don't have some sort of a sharp object yes. in their pocket. You never know who's crazy. So uh, a lot of bands, not just the band Perry, but a lot of bands, have lists of people that, you know, they'll, they'll put pictures backstage of people that have been tweeting weird things that live close to that city, and a lot of people carry security, and it's not uncommon for bands that have an exit strategy meeting every couple of weeks where you're looking at your stage setup and saying, hey, if there's an active shooter or if there's a, a person that makes it on stage, where are we going? You know, that, that's real for bands that tour now. So to anyone that has a problem with somebody defending themselves, I would ask yourself – or, or standing up for themselves. That ask yourself, right. Do you know what it feels like to have somebody run up on you at work, because that's right. what Adam Levine is ultimately doing. And he's got nothing right there. He's got no way to stop himself. There's no, or to stop anybody. He's got no way to defend himself. Like Adam Levine is well within his rights, and I'm just surprised he wasn't harsher. Uh, the, the the entitlement that some fans show, stepping on stage and the the rite of passage that they think it is, is frankly disgusting and it's unsafe.
1: Yeah. All right. An important question for you. This is this is uh, your worlds intertwining. Do marching bands make
4: college football better or worse? They don't do anything for college football, Thank but you. I would say this: the, the I would say this. They should be televised. I don't really need like I, I think the, the the whole concept on college football. Is that the we parade? need and and this speaks. I'm taking away my own work opportunities because you know obviously the opportunity to host halftime shows is a big big deal. I genuinely believe that the majority of the world would rather see highlights run on one side without commentary of the big games while they hear and, and watch the marching band play. Because it's one of the cool things in college football. Like, I don't think it really changes much in the game. But, I mean, if you see the best band band in, in the land, like for Ohio State, or like Michigan, I don't know if you saw it this week, Michigan's marching band did an entire segment where they lined up and they they made their band look like they were playing beer pong. And they had the beer pong for Ohio State miss and the beer pong from Michigan go away. Like, that's a level of creativity we're not getting from highlight reels.
2: Well, halftime at the Raiders was Grambling. I think they're an incredible band.
4: Oh, my God, yeah. And, and watching Grambling perform is yes. in and of itself a delight. Like, if I'm sitting in the stadium, I want that. I want I yes. want, I want. want a performance during halftime. And the Raiders, say what you want about whether or not the fans have come from where in the world. The Raider game day experience has been absolutely spectacular week in and week out. It's interesting. I'm going to be interested to see how they keep it up for the next several years because, man, it's fun watching those things at halftime and grambling the way they get after it. Let's go. They're not just a marching band. They're a dancing band. Like, they do everything. They're like the Backstreet Boys and Instinct combined into one super group.
3: Jason, you have to pick one group or act to be the resident halftime show at Allegiant Stadium. Who are you going with off the top of your head?
4: I mean... As selfishly, I would want to reunite at Bon Jovi with Richie Sambora because that was my first concert. But if you're going to ask me for the best show I'm ever going to see, uh, I, like in a stadium like that, you got to go with the pop act. So I'm going to go. Oh, I'm. Oh, I'm going to go. Oh, this is so hard. I'm going to go Backstreet. I'm going to go Backstreet. I'm putting that boy band in. Like who, who hates the Backstreet Boys? Nobody. They have a bunch of up-tempo songs. They still got abs some of them. So they're running around without their shirt on and they <laughs> know how to put on a show. Like, uh, believe me, uh, uh, no offense to Nick Carter, who's a buddy. Like they're not known for their singing. They're known for their showmanship. I want a show in there.
1: He's Jason Fitz from ESPN. Thanks, Jason. Thank you, buddy. <laughs> I'm going to regret that answer. Thank you. No, you're See not. You. Backstreet Boys at Allegiant Stadium. Big fan of the Backstreet Boys, apparently.
2: I mean, I want it that way. Have you heard of Bon Jovi? Yes. Have you heard of Richie Sambora?
1: No. <laughs> That's not a real person. It is. A real Don't thing. believe that at all. No, it's not. Richie, it's like sounds like an instrument. Sambora? <laughs> is that the thing you shake?
2: <laughs> wow.
0: Coming up next, wow.
3: more Richie Sambora.
0: Wow. Obviously, tremendous challenge uh, going on the road um, to the big house. Um, we got to get healthy, and, and we got to go and play smart, and uh, obviously we're going to have to limit explosive plays. We're back to the Press Box with Grady and Bischoff, live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios.
1: Oh. So wait, where is Penn State playing this weekend? The big House. They're playing at the Shoe. They're playing Ohio State? I thought,
2: they said the big, I thought he said the Big, house. Yeah. Oh, the big he, house. He did. That's why Jared played the audio. He said the uh. wrong voice. Well, isn't it, like, automatic when you lose nine overtimes to Illinois? You say, we got to get healthy. Like, kind of putting it out there that, you know, if we had been healthy last week, we would have won that overtime game. Would have won it. All
1: right. Here's a story for you. Not a fun one. Eh, maybe. Uh, Texas Tech fired Matt Wells. Uh, Texas Tech is 5-3, and three, by the way. Uh, Texas Tech would 4-8 and eight and 4-6 and six in his first two years, though. Apparently, they might have been afraid he would have made a bowl game. <laughs> yes. And not been able to fire him. Uh, which is always fun. But... The athletic listed a group of coaches that could be the next Texas tech head coach. And Bruce Feldman wrote sources tell the athletic that there is some support for art Bryles among Texas tech brass, but there's also a lot of concern about the potential <laughs> blowback. If they try and hire him,
2: is there any way Texas uh, tech hires art? No Bryles, not with other, not with other candidates. Won't stop us from flying the flag. Uh <laughs> That'll be out each Saturday uh, when they're playing and in basketball. But I don't think he come, I, I again, the blowback is, to me, more than any kind of, you know, support within the booster organization or whoever's supporting him. Why would you – I always say this, like, why – give me the risk-reward. Is he that much better than someone else you can get without the blowback? No, he's not. He's not. It's not Saban. I mean, it's, it's Bart Bryles, good coach, proved he's a good coach, proved he's a bad guy. And I saw Sonny Dykes on there. I saw other guys on that list who were like, okay, he can go do at Texas Tech what Art Bryles would do at Texas Tech, right? So why would you even hold that press conference?
3: Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's stupid. Art Bryles is going to bring back character. Yes. And integrity. Well, I didn't say good character. (laughs) A certain type of character.
2: They're going to have an identity. (laughs) Yes, they will have an identity. Uh, They won't take no for an answer. It'll (laughs) all be about family. It's. uh... No.
1: Why is he even on lists? <laughs> I don't know. Because some booster at Texas Tech.
3: Didn't he lose his high school Feldman? job? Uh, yeah, I think so. And now so. he's going to be the Texas Tech No, head he, coach? Resigned. Oh, he resigned. Oh, he resigned from his high school yeah. job. Yeah. And uh, he was like, I want to say 20 and
2: 6. Well, it's guys like this who did what he did at Baylor, who always plays the poor me victim card. It's like, well, you know, I'll never get back in. It's like, no one ever said you can't get another job. What you can't do is go back and coach and, and hold the same position you did well, you know, a, a, a bunch you had a bunch of thugs on your team and rapists at Baylor who, you know, who got in trouble for all kinds of sexual assaults. No, you can't do that. Don't do that. Go do something else. And no one will probably one, no, or two, have as a hard time. But you can't be a college football coach anymore. There are certain lines you can't cross and still be a college football coach. Did you know his son was the offensive coordinator at Arkansas?
1: I did not. I didn't either. Apparently he's a candidate or could be a candidate, and his son in law is the offensive coordinator at Ole Miss.
2: Okay.
3: So I'd hire either one of those guys for our trials. <laughs> I'd hire the, son I the son-in-law. I'm bring in my dad as a consultant.
1: <laughs> that wouldn't be ideal. <laughs> Texas Tech hires Kendall Bryles as a way to accidentally yes, hire Art get Bryles. Art on the
2: staff somehow. Well, we didn't
3: hire Art Bryles, <laughs> but he's around uh, the
2: program. We, we
3: really wanted him around the program. Yeah. What the hell's Texas Tech doing? I. They won't hire. Him.
1: Not only They're not right only right. Art Bryles even being mentioned, but the hell are they firing their coach. For? Yeah, he's five and three. Like, why? Well.
2: You're exactly right. They thought he'd get good enough to make a bowl, and then, like, how can we how, how can we fire the guy <laughs> off to, like, the potato bowl? That's not very good. We, we don't is, look good. Is that a good thing? Like, and, if he makes a bowl game, you're looking like, good job, good season. I'd also like to know, and we won't, um, the sources that told The Athletic this, it could be someone really high up, or it could be some guy who's like, hey, Like that Art Bryles guy, he won a Baylor. We should get him. And it's like, and if you get too far up the ladder, they'd be like, we're not hiring Art Bryles. We're not doing that. Going through that.
1: That is because sources tell The Athletic there's support for Art Bryles among the Texas Tech brass. I don't, you know, was the phrasing that Bruce Feldman used. So there's got to be somebody within Texas Tech that mentioned it. But how serious? Probably not very.